lifepodcasts.fm. This podcast is a Prime Media Broadcasting production. Time in the saddle. For cyclists, by cyclists. Time in the saddle. Time in the saddle, myself, Rhino O'Connor. This week, our uh, special guest, and she's no stranger uh, to spending time in the saddle, Liesl van der Vesthaisen. Great to have you back. Hey, Rai Good to be here. And then extra special guest today on Time in the Saddle, Sven Tiller. And uh, Sven, lovely to have you here. Thank you. An absolute pleasure. Normally, I'm listening to you from uh, from London. It's so great to be in Cape Town. It's good to have you here. And it's good to have you involved in cycling. Um, this is a podcast where we try and talk as much as we can about all things cycling, uh, whether it's mountain, road, trail, you name it, gravel, uh, even E, uh, the dreaded e-bikes <laughs> we talk about on, on this uh, this podcast. But let's talk a little bit about something. And actually, in fact, before we even get to Hot Chili, and I think, you know, Liesl's obviously known you longer, I want to talk about your, your love and passion for cycling. Where did it begin? Do you remember your first ever bicycle you got? Yes, I do actually remember my first ever bicycle. And I, and I can remember it was one of those ones with a smaller wheel, smaller frame and everything like that. And uh, I, can, I can actually remember that feeling of freedom that I had, you know, riding down the road in those days. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of open fields and things like that. And then yes. taking the bike off road and what have you. And I must confess to this day, when I, when I go gravel riding and yeah. things like that, that's the same feeling that comes yeah. back. It's amazing. Eh? That's such a great feeling. And for, for those people that have never cycled and you're inspired to see, you know, kids are the best to watch at mm. cycling. That freedom that they have, that look in their eyes, that they've discovered a way to move forward in a way that they, they've never experienced before. It's just, it's incredible. And obviously since then, since that first bicycle, when did the cycling buy a bug bite? Because a lot of the time people get bicycles, you know, it's, it's a typical thing growing up. If you're in a, in a fortunate house where uh, bicycles are available and you can be, a bike can be purchased for you, you have a bicycle. Uh, but then somewhere on the line, you, you, you kind of have t- two trains of thought. One either says, forget it. I cycled all the way to school my whole school career. I'm, I'm not going to come near a bike again. The other one says, hang on a second. I actually dig this thing called cycling. And I, I love this. I want to start doing this as a recreation, as a sport, as a passion, as a hobby. When did that kick in for you? Well, my story is very similar to, I think, many other Older cyclists put it that way. I can remember coming back to a school reunion, flew in from London, and I was one of the fittest kids at school. I played rugby, did athletics, did all of the sports. You know, uh, in the meantime, however, I'd spent 20 years in London, uh, drinking very nice red wine, doing nice, <laughs> nice lunches, nice deals, nice dinners, and what have you. And I'd blossomed uh, to 110 kilos of of absolute, you know, fun and fat. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I came back to the school reunion, and and I met two guys who were far larger than I was at school, and they were as lean as anything. And I and, and I said to them, "Listen, wh- something's happened here. Something's gone wrong in my life. Something's gone right in your life." Yeah. And they had actually started started cycling, and they were riding as it was then the Argus Cycle Tour, yes. and they were all going for sub threes and and things like that. Yeah. And I said, I've got to get into this. And I went back to London and, and bought a bike. And that was kind of 1999, around right about then. Uh, and I went from 110 kilos down to 73, 74, 75 kilos. <laughs> wow. Incredible. Yeah, <laughs> we need it's, to cycle harder. Yeah. It's, uh, it was phenomenal. I would honestly say almost kind of life change. Well, certainly life changing. Mm-hmm. And probably, you know, I, you know, I think if I was still 110 kilos, I might not be here talking to you today. Sure. I hear so. you. That's I mean that's huge. I mean like that's life changing. And then and then and then from there, 
I guess. So the passion for cycling is there. You've now got a bike. You're cycling in London. In the meanwhile, coming home, coming here, uh, involved in cycling, slowly getting more mm. involved in cycling, deciding obviously to do your first uh, August cycle tour back then. Yes. Um, and then obviously realizing the great need for us to get involved in de- developmental cycling yes, in yes, South Africa. Yeah. Uh, tell us how that shift uh, or, or where that came in. Well, I, I think that what I realized in those early days, and I, uh, I'm talking now kind of circa 1999, 2000, sure. is that you, being a cyclist, you were still in a very privileged position. Yeah. And, and really all you were doing is, you know, you were thinking you were doing a sport that is free. It wasn't really free. The bike is expensive. The bike maintenance, uh, entries yeah. to events, all of that, all mm. of that adds up. And we ended up setting up uh, our first event here in South Africa, the Cape Brilleur. Uh, that was 20, 2012. And the year we set it up, we said, you know, we're getting rolling road closures. We're getting the privilege of riding on roads that nobody mm. else is riding. Uh, the traffic is blocked. Uh, we need to put something back into uh, cycling here in, in the Western Cape. And it was still very, uh, very much a privileged sport over here. And so we invited young development riders to come and join us. But in those days... Nobody knew. I mean, there were very few clubs that were established. Sure. I think Velokaya had just been established uh, around about then. Um, and we struggled to find uh, riders. And the f- first couple of years, or let's say the first year, we got some riders that were good, but they weren't exceptional. Okay. And then we hit a home run with, um, it was actually Vanessa Sands who introduced us to Nick Lamini, who yes. was very much a runner in those days, <laughs> believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he pitched up on a 15 kilogram bike with flat pedals and clothing that was way too big. And, you know, anyway, he rode and he rode uh, in group one, which is the kind of the male race group. Sure. He rode with Stephen Roche, who's a tw- ex-Tour de France winner, Maurizio von Rijs, the world champion, Carl Platt, five times Cape Epic winner. And yeah. these guys all said after the first day, they said, this kid is amazing. He was 17 years old, riding a heavy bike, and they said, we've got to do something about it. And we, he then joined the development rider program, and of course, the rest is history. He's now riding for Team Dimension Data, enormously successful. He's actually, he's almost more known in the UK. When I walk down the road with him, there's people walk up yeah. to him and ask him for a selfie. You know, whereas here he can still, he's a little bit incognito, but he's definitely yes. very, very well known and a, and a great ambassador for the sport and for South Africa. I guess that was the pivoting point as well in terms of realizing. Um, you mentioned that uh, uh, that you'd noticed at that stage already how hard it was to find riders because these uh, communities around the Western Cape that had uh, possibly never seen bicycles before owned bicycles. Mm. Sure, they might have seen them, but they never owned them. How do we get them involved in cycling? How do we draw more people to the sport of cycling that previously would never, ever have been able to afford a bicycle? How do we get communities excited about cycling? Absolutely. How do we empower those communities? communities and more importantly how do we sustain and let those communities grow so something sparked with you must have yes during during Cape Relia where you you were going listen uh, I I see so much potential in the Western Cape uh, for this to be a community of cycling that's that's not uh, uh, judgmental in terms of color or or or, or money Um, that that clicked and that and that kind of a sparked this whole chain of events yes to get where we are today and I wanted I want to continue the journey so so then what happened after that? Because I want to get to hot chili, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And, Liesl, and uh, Liesl's wearing a beautiful top today. Um, I have been promised there's an XXXXL on the way to me. Yes. Uh, hot yes, chili yes. top. But <laughs> you can borrow my <laughs> Thank you very much. But let's talk to so the next step. So, so, so from, the next from there. Step, I, I, I mean, a lot of things aligned. And I mean, over, over several years. But I think the first thing coming back to you, you know, if you give 
a young person a bike or if yeah. they have access to a bike, that face that you were talking about is uh, you, everyone recognizes it. Sure. And it becomes very, very heartwarming and fulfilling. Um, and I think in the case of, of watching somebody like Nick Lamini enjoying riding his bike and then actually getting him a lighter carbon bike to ride and, and seeing that expression, you know, come back to his getting face. Getting goosebumps, just getting, thinking ex- about exactly, that. Exactly. You know, and I mean, and we struggled in those days even to find him a replacement bike for this gate fence thing that he was riding with solid steel. Um, and and when when we got him a lighter bike with actually I think in those days actually it, it was one of the first bikes that came out with Di two, I mean the guy he could not believe it and I mean the expression on his face, but then also the the the, the people who shared Nick's journey yes. with him yeah um, and in fact all the other riders yeah they also became so engaged and so passionate yeah. about people fulfilling their dream of riding a bike and that feeling of freedom and as you said where things are totally equal you could be the CEO of a European telco riding alongside a young kid from Kyalecha and you actually have a conversation and it's not like you have a five minute conversation uh, across our events you're together for four or five days yes. where, where things actually start to happen and, yeah. and one of the most recent success stories is uh, Shamikh Sali is also from the Development Rider Program who on the um, the Rainmaker roller coaster, which is our seven day gravel event met with the main sponsor on the bike and the sponsor at that point, then offered him a job and a and a and a. So now we're talking about, you know, doing almost doing your job interview on the bike, which is obviously far more fun, and you have access to a greater and a bigger network. And watching how these these people are changing, their confidence is changing from uh, being extremely shy, sure. uh, withdrawn, being comfortable and confident to interact and engage with people who would perhaps not normally be in your social circle. And yeah. certainly, if you're coming from Masipumalela. You're not going to be mixing with a, a, sure. a telco CEO yeah. from, from Europe. Sven, talking about building confidence, you shared a great story about Nick on stage the first time. I don't know if it was in, in London, at London to Paris, where he got mm. on stage mm. to speak for the first time. And oh, that wow. young kid from South Africa, never been on a stage in front of people. Yes. And how he spoke, and he got people in tears. I've, uh, yeah, I'm just about to cry myself now. Sure. Uh, this was in 20... So So... He basically ended up winning, I think, the sprinter's jersey. Uh, and he's not a sprinter, but I think for some reason he didn't get the yellow, whatever. He, he won a jersey at the Cape Relu, and then he was invited to come and ride overseas. And he rode the London, uh, the London Paris that year. That was 2013. And that year we had, I don't know, like five or six ex-world champions riding. It was Stephen Roche, Maurizio Fondreist, Carl Platt was there, Nigel Mansell. Formula One legend was, and they were all standing on stage with uh, with Nick Lamini, and there were 400 riders at the sign-on tent, generally from you know I would say uh, an, a high LSM group, sure, who probably don't necessarily understand so, what's happening yeah. in, in in the townships over here. And Nick had to say a few words, and this was the first time he'd actually spoken into a microphone with 400 people, and he started talking, and he just couldn't talk. It was just. It was just nothing would come. Nothing would come. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is, this is, uh, this is awful. And then he just he kind of stood back, took the microphone away, put it back there, said something like, "I'm just so nervous, but it's going to be okay." And he just got a standing ovation at that particular point in time. And he knew at that point that 400 people from very privileged backgrounds were backing him in terms of what he's doing. And he went on to win the yellow jersey. He was the youngest ever to win the yellow jersey. See, I'm getting all, 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 we all teared are. up here. And I mean, this guy's confidence from, you know, 
speaking one-on-one to speaking to an audience of 400 individuals who were all movers and shakers and what have you was just absolutely you know phenomenal and that was really that was kind of the making the making of nick and when you see him speaking today i go back liesel thank you for reminding me i go back to that occasion where he was it was it was going to make or break him yeah and and it made him and sure. the standing ovation and the people behind him and to this day you know he still has there's probably about six uh, mentors included in his life and ensuring that his life is on the right trajectory because it's extremely challenging for a young non-european sure. to be racing yes. in a world tour team absolutely and never mind the inspiration is to his, his own community and the fact that he's now empowering so many people through being uh, uh, through his story to get on a bicycle to join cycling clubs to start their own cycling clubs yes. and since then we've seen all these all these amazing cycling clubs that have come but it, it doesn't stop there it continues we continue to look at ways in which we can continue to empower communities to get on bicycles to start cycling clubs and that's where we are now mm. I mean so so let's get to where we are now tell us about hot chili uh, everyone might have seen the brand everyone might have seen um, that it's out and about there I, I mentioned Diesel's wearing an amazing top today uh, I know the uh, the social media accounts so people that don't know the brand tell us about it so so uh, thank you uh, Liesl it's a fantastic top she's wearing yeah, Ryan, I've got, <laughs> Ryan I've got Ryan I've got Two on order for you. Thank as you well. very much. Um, so, so the brand has been very much about uh, um, around cycling, yes. and it's been one of alongside its social upliftment and yeah. change and, and and social engagement activation. And if if I think forward to what it is now, we have. Um, a large community of influential people who can make a difference in yeah. terms of what we're doing on the ground and the grassroots level. So through our events now, we are actively involved in creating social change and social upliftment. And, and, I, and I think that the, it's, it's been tremendously satisfying and rewarding, both for myself, um, but also for the kind of individuals who've seen the journey over yes. the last yeah. 10, 12 years. Yeah. Um, W- the the great thing is about the bicycle as soon as and, and Velokaya um, yeah. is a very good example of this. So Velokaya, you know, in the middle of Kailicha, as soon as you put a, a lot of bicycles together in one place, it attracts the youth and the young kids, and yeah. they all. And as long as you've got a meeting point, Bonga is also in yeah. in, in uh, Kailicha. It attracts the youth to then come to this particular meeting point, so it becomes the center of the hub. Yeah. And what we've been working on now in later in in in, in later years, where we've got a bit more momentum and a bit and a bit more energy and a bit more funding, is we uh, I became part of a foundation in London called the Buffalo Foundation. So okay. the Buffalo Foundation was set up by uh, two guys, Tim and Jan, who are the founders of Rainmaker, and the idea is is to is to do the fundraising in Europe, which yes. is far far easier sure. than it is here in, in in South Africa and then to channel that into the programs over here in in South Africa um, and that's very much what you know what we've been doing so Alongside the bicycle is the education piece, and yes. you know, without yes. you know, a bit like no helmet, no ride, no education, no ride. 100%. So that, that's that's the basic pre- that's the basic premise. So there's things like after school mentoring, uh, and another you know another fantastic story. Last year during the Cape Rileur, we rode through Kailicha on the final day of the Rileur, stopped off at Bella Kaya, and some Europeans that were actually living in Switzerland uh, said, "But this is crazy. How can you know? How can you not have?" after-school mentoring, this is a fantastic opportunity. Yeah. So these Europeans stepped in and said, we will put enough money aside you know, for, over the next two years t- for a mentor, after-school mentor to come in and you help the, the kids with their, yeah. uh, their, their school topics. And the kids grew from 50 to 150 yeah. in the space of you know, six months. So you know, once you've got a, a, 
a place where people are attracted to. Yeah. And then you, we've got things like mechanics courses, Rainmaker are setting up a, a digital skills academies. Um, Hein Kuchlenberg um, yeah. in, in Franschuk has gotten involved as well, and they have a hospitality academy. So we're starting to combine all of these academies and skills from mechanics training to hospitality to sommelier, etc., so that yeah. around the bicycle, you don't have to be a pro cyclist to succeed because Nick is a unique story. Sure. It's the 99% Percent. of the other yes. kids that True. need to be uplifted and given confidence and given a, a process by which they can get into a job. I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast because I don't think that anyone quite gets um, how cycling is the catalyst to so many elements of life um, that are so vitally important. To, and specifically in South Africa, it is the fundamental, one of the fundamental um, uh, uh, pillars um, that are helping to break down stereotypes in communities, in cycling clubs. I love the story you told me the other day uh, about two youngsters who were looking for a club to join. You said, well, yeah, there's one over here and there's one over there. Uh, typically, maybe in black communities, but you think to yourself, well, uh, you know, uh, why aren't people joining these cycling clubs in these black communities? They're just as good, if not better, uh, equipped than many other um, um, cycling clubs in the, in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a club on your doorstep. Go and join them. And so what did they do? They went and joined them. Absolutely. And I mean, that is just what cycling is about. And that's what cycling does. It, it, it is. And also, you, you know what? I think it, that story that, that you're referring to is a reflection, a, a symptomatic reflection of where we are today with the, these two kids. They both happen to be girls, 112 and 114. Yeah. Where they have now joined up um, with Masipumalela, which is the Songhezo Academy, yes. and they incredible academy. You know, so their parents will drive them yeah. to the academy, and they'll go and ride. They would be the uh, the first and the only white people who are actually part Brilliant. of that particular academy. Brilliant. And I think it just opens up yeah. the, the the youngsters' perspective to what reality really is like in these townships. Yes. And Masipumalela is probably one of the most forgotten townships sure. here in the Western Cape. Yeah. Um, and people can see firsthand and experience firsthand. But then also there's this respect amongst the youth cyclists where there, there, there is no distinction. There sure. is no, you know, they genuinely are riding as equals you know, on the gravel, on the road, on the mountain bike or something like that. And that's tremendously fulfilling. That about sport for me is always, it's such, it's just, uh, music and sport are the two things for yeah. me that just kind of a don't, you don't really see, see, see color and, and politics in, in, in either of those. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, about uh, the way forward because obviously um, great partners, there's so many great individuals and we've got so many mutual uh, acquaintances and people we know that are yeah. as eager and passionate to want to give back. But yet there's still so many Corporates in the place that we live, maybe listen to this podcast right now that haven't yet put their hands up and said, we'd like to help out, we'd like to be involved. And it's not up to the people that continue to support because they're always going to support because they're driven that way. They're driven and compelled inside them to want to be involved. It's those that are sitting listening to this podcast right now that have access to funds and resources that's so desperately needed that we need you listening now to get involved. How do they get involved? Ryan, I mean, that you've you've touched like a, a massive point for myself and, and and fellow activists and disruptors, is the fact that there is within South Africa at present still this phlegmatic corporate apathy, <laughs> which is and and I and I really it is extremely frustrating to see big corporates, well funded, well resourced, who go through the check boxes of having some kind of superficial CSI CSR marketing campaign, but then when you speak to the CEO, uh, or or he or she 
and you say to them, listen, come into Kailicha with me at, at five o'clock on a, on a Saturday morning, they suddenly have something else awesome. on. You know, and it's, and, uh, you know, it's, not, it's not just about also making the resources available, it's about making the, some, their time available sure. and to provide attention and focus to yeah. what, is actually, what is actually going on. And I would love to see, I mean, we, we spoke uh, to a company recently because we were trying to get one of the schools, Murray High School in Kwana Katula, mm. um, get their digital skills improved and we needed we needed laptops so the laptops ended up being shipped by the buffalo foundation and rainmaker from europe was a massive schlep and 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 i I remember the ceo of of rainmaker yanni going up to a a a technology corporate here in south africa and said but what are you doing how Hmm. many laptops do you have in your organization and the guy said we have five thousand laptops and they said, well, how long do they, you know, how long do these laptops stay in your organization? Between two and three years. That means there's probably 1,500 laptops that are, that are being recycled in some way, shape, or just being thrown away. Sure. They said, why can't we access these 1,500 yeah. laptops? It's not that hard. It's not that hard to get involved. And I think once I would encourage anyone to actually come into one of the rides. We mm. have rides yeah. coming from, and I know Liesl is very keen on this as well, mm. uh, from uh, Kayalicha, Masipumalela. Uh, so there's the Bonga Academy, the yes. Songezo Academy, and the Velokaya Academy, Kwana Katula, which is outside. Come and join in. If you're, if you're a, a cycling CEO, CXO, yeah. come and join us for a ride, and it will change you forever. And it will change the kids' lives forever. I would like to, uh, in actual fact, to take you up on that offer and put the challenge out on air as well, and for us to set a date aside and send out personal invitations to those people and those CEOs who love cycling. Because we know even if you're a weekend warrior, you, we, we, we want you to come out. You don't have to be the fastest cyclist in the world. We just want you to come out and come and enjoy a good old-fashioned cycling, the joy of being in a bicycle, the, and, and out of your comfort zone of going around your neighborhood block or your local hill four times uh, in the course of a month. Come out to some place that's different, that might have in the past you you thought, well, ah, there's no chance, much chance of me getting out there. Let's get out there together as one big group and let's go and change uh, the landscape out there, which is still so desperately needed. Um, so that, that challenge I'm going to take up and I'm going to run with that on air. And you and I are going to come up with a date. I would love to. And we're going to round up massive Corporate and, and and the regular guys that are involved, yes, them too. But people that have never been involved ever, we're going to challenge them individually to get involved. And, and, I, and I think also Ryan, why don't we get Premier Elect uh, Mr. Yes, Alan, Alan Windy? Yeah, Alan, get, absolutely. Uh, Bev Schaefer. I oh. mean, we've got uh, Anru Maria. Let's get you know, let's get all the all the politicians involved and Love it. provide so provide some focus, you know, for uh, for the politicians and for the media as to what is really going on on the ground. How do people get hold of you? How do you? How do you say, uh, people stay in touch? You've obviously got social media channels. Yeah, uh, you can find me on the bike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't go and look for on the bike guys. No, that's not it. Um, it's, it's the easiest is go to the website, which yeah. is www.hotchili, and it's hotchili spelled the new way: h o t c h i l l e dot com. And you can you can find me from there. And obviously, we are on social media as well. Well, otherwise, I think also you know via KFM. I mean, yeah. it's it's Please. wonderful to be partnering with KFM and and uh, creating an awareness. We're going to be doing a whole lot more together, Liesl and I. And uh, and, and since Liesl's actually introduced the, the both of us, I've I've I, I pledge my services to 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 do the right thing. It's actually not even pledging services. I I think it's just it's a natural uh, instinctive thing to want to do to to not only grow the sport of cycling but to break down barriers. And I think Absolutely. that uh, that from that side, I, I mean, count me in. You're uh, you're a hell of a pioneer in terms of that space. Uh, you. you you mentioned being disruptive. There's uh, you, I, I can just see straight away that we've got so much in. 
common. Uh, and uh, and the, yes to a phenomenal partnership. We also want to start something with, with female riders yeah. in Cape Town. Uh, you've got the one that happens in London every yes. Thursday morning, and we want to team up with that. We spoke about it on air yes. a week ago. Well, so we'll do our own one. Yes. We're going we're to start yes. one. Well, I think, I mean, again, a, f- a fantastic idea because, I mean, cycling uh, has generally been a male-dominated, is a male-dominated yes. sport. Yeah. And, I mean, for, for a woman to get a look in is extremely hard, even just walking into a cycle shop. And I think what we've found absolutely amazing is over the years in London, the percentage of women increasing – where, and now you're talking about the Bella Velo group, mm. which rides in Richmond Park on mm. either Thursday morning or Friday morning. And there's 50, 60 ladies get together, no matter whether it rain, snow, sun. And then for our club rides in London, we had uh, a fantastic stat on the last one is we had 49% women out of about 100-odd riders that Brilliant. pitched up. And that, you Brilliant. know, that's now... And if we could see a little bit of this happening in, in Cape Town as well. And I would throw in as well the, the whole commuting angle. I yeah. just had some fantastic yeah. traffic experiences here in, in, in Cape Town. But really, commuting makes a massive, massive difference. Mm. And it should be cool. Commuting and cycling is sure. cool. Love it. Absolutely love it. Listen, you know what the nicest thing about this podcast, if you're listening, is that you have made uh, 25 minutes seem like three minutes because mm. the conversation's been so good. So we're, please, Sven, we'd love to have you back on a podcast soon uh, in the next month to come join us again and let's talk and, uh, about, about some more of the stuff that we, we, we didn't get to talk to uh, about during this Great. podcast. Um, ladies and gents, hot chili. Uh, Sven Tiller, you're an absolutely one hell of a great oak and it's lucky to have you here thank you very much India it's been an absolute privilege to come and visit you guys stunning thanks Liesl enjoy your time in the saddle thank you and uh, everybody else listening to time in the saddle we'll be back Jason Lint uh, will be back as will Dave Balez to talk the Coronation Double Century in the next podcast subscribe now at livepodcast.fm rate and review it on your favourite podcast app to get your time in the saddle livepodcast.fm subscribing to a live podcast is free